everyone. Welcome to My Two Cents with Tawanda Harris. This is a podcast dedicated to educators, for educators, and by educators. Yes, it's all about encouraging. It's all about sharing strategies. It's all about going on an educational journey with each other. You are not alone. And I hope that when you finish listening to this podcast, you feel like you went on a journey with educators around the world. Thank you for tuning in to My Two Cents. This episode is part two of two. Yes, I am continuing the conversation with Kaz and Corn Miner of the Miner Collective. Listen in as we continue to unpack the state of literacy and also hear some really interesting fun facts about the two of them. Enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it's always so beautiful to listen to Cornelius kind of like talk about his stance on, I mean, that really is part of Corn's stance on literacy, right? And I think about, you know, the state of literacy to one and I were talking about that a little bit. And it's interesting I think part of our roles as teachers is to really help all kids know that like reading is for you. Reading is for everyone. I don't care if your family has zero books in your home. Reading is for you. Yeah. You know, I, of course, grew up very differently than Quan, but like reading for us was like, I mean, we weren't like at a survival state, but it was definitely a mechanism like to make our lives better. And I mean, in very technical ways, like I remember going to the library with my dad to check out like plumbing manuals because we never like paid for any work in our house. We did everything on our own. Like I remember like my mom's like cookbooks were like her most, like her most treasured items. And so I think about like reading in our home was like a, a means to gain the information and knowledge we needed because we, nobody in my family like did university or anything like that. And so it's interesting to think about how reading made such an impression on us in these different ways but then you go to school, right? And then children are being taught these like super like explicit and like strange ways of reading that don't make any sense when it comes to thinking about what reading means to, to essentially like change your life. And for us, like when I think about when teaching works in terms of literacy instruction, like of course you have to understand like balanced literacy and you need to know like the foundations of teaching reading. But moreover, you need to understand why you are teaching children to read and what is it you stand for? And so like that conviction around literacy, like your stance on literacy is, is so real. And I, I would love to see that growing more in school communities, as opposed to sort of like the, what is like the strategic lesson that I'm going to give a kid so I can ensure that they're able to identify like the structure of this text on the test. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and so, and we've used reading to really navigate our reality here. Like, you know, and so as Brooklyn started to gentrify, like that was an opportunity to read with children. Like, here's why these rich people live on your block right now. And here's why that store that you used to go to where you could afford the vegetables got replaced by a Whole Foods where you cannot afford the vegetables. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so here's why you feel angry, but you can't put your finger on it. All of those are radical acts of literacy, like that understanding, right? Um, and so for us, like, as we, you know, look on how Brooklyn has changed in the last 20 years, 
like for me, all that has been literacy. Like I want to help kids understand why that is. And I want to help kids understand where their place is. And I want to understand, I want to help kids understand like where your voice can live now that all of these things have been taken from us, like where you can salvage um, autonomy, where you can salvage freedom and sovereignty, like all of those things are acts of literacy, you know? And so when I think about, oh, I can teach you this reading strategy that has no tether to your world, or I can teach you this reading strategy and then tie it to the outcomes that you want for your life and for your little brother and for your auntie and for your grandma. That's powerful, you know, yeah. so. I did a session with um, the brilliant Isla Tawheed, AKA Izzy. <laughs> BX the in the head. house. Um, we did we one of in school, you know, just FYI. Yeah. Oh. She... <laughs> She's so awesome. So um, we did a session and we'll actually be presenting at NCTE the same session, but it was environmental justice. We talked about environmental mm -hmm. justice and um, the student work that she showed in that session. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. But to your point, point, Cornelius, just really helping students to understand how literacy directly connects to the changes that are happening in your community. And then also, how do we then take literacy and use it as a vehicle to advocate, advocate for ourselves against, you know, things that maybe we are not um, being treated fairly or that, you know, things that we don't have that access piece is important. And I, I think that's really, really powerful that we can help students to see this is why, this is what this means for me and my family, that it's not just I'm at school doing this and completing this, but I am doing this at school and this is how it's going to help to connect me with my community as well as my family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's what feels best for kids always. When they can make those connections, it's like, that's gold. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so we, we talked a lot, a, bit, a lot about like uh, where, you know, students kind of fit in this, this beautiful picture of um, creating better humans. You know, I mean, it's not just about, okay, the adults versus the students in this one space. How are we going to work together to then, you know, better the world or better the community and, and literacy being that vehicle. But I'm a teacher, speaking, I'm a teacher that doesn't know how to do this work. You know, I don't know if I'm on the right track. What are some great uh, markers that will help a teacher to know that they're headed in the, the right direction, some places where they can kind of hold themselves accountable and stop and reflect um, on this path? Of course, it's, it's ever, you know, it doesn't end, but how, what would you say to them? I'm going to say just say two things to begin with. I think if you, if you wake up in the morning and you know why you're going to work, that's really, really important. I think that building your stance and your philosophy, like that gets, can take you very, very far in your work. It can provide you with that juice and energy that you're not getting from any other source. And then the other thing I will say, whenever I'm feeling funny about whatever I'm teaching and I'm like, I don't know if this is going well, um, I'm a big fan of just like, what is your participation looking like? And if you only have like one way to kind of like think about how your kids are participating, then that's a good time for you to kind of like 
you know, recollect how you think about participation. And I, I literally just came up with this theory with the teacher today based on sort of like un, a flipping a metric uh, data point, right? So we were in a math classroom. She was, there was a visual on the smart board and kids were like grouping together numbers. And if you looked on her classroom, you know, floor rug, uh, kids were like laying down. Some kids were in their chairs and were like stretching out. They're all over the place. But let me tell you, kids were like raising their hand. They were talking to their partner. They were asking like, who are these weird me and Cornelius from the room? We don't work at school all the time. So like, who are these people? So they have, the kids have like agency and asking the questions. And so it's literally like, okay, so now we have this idea when kids are able to move their bodies, when they learn math, they are able to have more robust conversations. So something as simple as that, like really just taking note of what's happening when kids are participating a lot, what do you think participation is? And then really checking yourself, like how am I making my kids just raise their hand all the time? What are all of my options? I think kids just have to have opportunities to generate some kind of thinking somehow, some way. And we just need to kind of like, I think oftentimes open up our minds and what that looks like. And I think that's a really great starting point for anybody, but especially teachers who are feeling fuzzy about stuff. Like mm-hmm. that is a first, that is like a really great entry point to, to any kind of work and, and doing that work of, what did you say to one of bettering humans, bettering yeah. humans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I echo Cass, same thing. Like every morning you have to know why you're getting out of bed. Like um, that, that like, you know, getting out of bed, to collect a paycheck is a pathway to depression, right? You know, and so we have to know like what we're doing, mm. you know, and, and so I'm always thinking about what is it that I want to accomplish in the world and how can I find space to do that in a classroom today, right? And so, the, so that, and that's a real thing that I grapple with. Like, I really think I'm like, okay, here's this big thing that I want in the world. And so if I believe in peace, if I believe in justice, if I believe in love, then what can it look like in third period? I can't get, I can't revolutionize everything, but for 50 minutes, I can walk a little bit closer to justice. I can walk a little bit closer to love. Um, and so for, for me, I think a lot about what that means in a very practical hands-on kind of way is historically when people think about their teaching, they think about performance. So I am going to perform this thing, this math lesson. I'm going to perform this language arts lesson. And so people get really caught up in the performance. And if you ask them, did you have a good day? Their metric for if I had a good day was, did I get through my performance uninterrupted? That's their metric, right? And so I am wanting to grow people out of thinking about teaching as a performance and rather thinking about it as a dialogue, right? Because if I am performing, that ain't got nothing to do with the student right? If I go and perform and my metric for if I had a good day is did I get through my performance uninterrupted, that does not at all measure how people received it, right? And so I'm trying to move from monologue to dialogue. Like I'm trying to see like how it is like not am I performing, but am I able to read what students are communicating to me in all of the different ways that they communicate it, right? We know that behavior is communication. We know that spoken words are communication. We know that facial expressions are communication. So in all of the, so all of these inputs, am I able to read where students are, what they need, how they're feeling? And am I able to act on that in improvisational ways, right? And we know that improvisation is not anarchy, right? People hear that word improvisation and improvisation is very disciplined, right? 
mm. improvisation. So I think about Miles Davis and that album Kind of Blue, right? Like that is the world's greatest improvised album. Miles Davis knows his music better than anybody on the planet, but he knows it so well that he's able to respond to the context of the moment, right? That's improvisation. So I know my language art so well. I know my math so well. I know my science so well that I'm able to respond to the stimulus of the moment, right? I'm able to respond to the humans in this moment. Um, and really, you know you're on the right path when you're moving in that direction, when it is less performance, more dialogue. But here's the thing that I've learned from Cass, that that, that kind of work is a little bit more difficult. It's trickier, right? And one of the things, and I think the greatest lie the devil ever told to the education industry, um, or and, and I'm using the word industry on purpose, not profession, but the greatest lie the devil ever told to the in education industry is that I'm gonna sell you this thing that's gonna make it easier. Oh. right you know right and 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 we know that good teaching ain't about easy right and so so what we're trying to do is we're trying to complicate people's understanding of children and so that's going to make the work harder right and so so what ends up happening we're in this era in the industry and i always separate because there's education the profession right and then there's education the industry so the profession is us learning together us thinking together us working to be better for students but then this industry just want to sell us a bunch of stuff right this industry just want to test our kids all over the place this industry just wants to sort and segregate people right and so so i really think about how can we help our peers to mature to the point where they're not looking for easy but for where they're looking for to like to really kind of like see the complexity of a kid right and that ain't sexy right now right yeah. you know like, like everybody want to buy the three-step thing off of teachers pay teachers is plagiarized anyway right like you know like you know like and so we don't yeah. have enough time right now for me to get my soap <laughs> box because I'm sitting here like yeah. okay don't chase that rabbit Swanda you can't chase that rabbit <laughs> It's absolutely ridiculous. And, yeah. you know, you're right. And, and the problem is when we think we have this package program that's going to fix, air quotes, yeah. Yeah. fix our students, yeah. when it doesn't work, then it becomes, oh, there's something wrong with our students. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it was never meant for them in the first place. So yeah. Yeah. That, that's where the, the breakdown was. That wasn't the best thing to use with that student and that's okay but like you all said when you wake up in the morning mm -hmm. you have to say this is my purpose because yeah. this is a profession that you have to roll up your sleeves and just get whatever comes to you just like as a parent whatever yeah. comes when you're trying yeah. to get out the house to an appointment and yeah. someone spills the cereal in the back of your car on your way to this appointment that you can't be late to. And you're yeah. like, all right, okay. I got napkins in the back. I need to do this. And when I get from this appointment, you start problem solving on the fly. Yeah. And as teachers, that's what we have to do. We are yeah. really being responsive to what is being thrown our way, but that's life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So yeah, this is, oh my goodness, this is so great. Okay. You're, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? Go ahead. No, I'm just smiling at you. This is such a great conversation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we could, of course, be here for another five hours, um, but we're going to maybe we'll have like a part two or a part three or <laughs> or, or pick it up. Like we never anything for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you family. Need. We don't have to be together every day, but when we come together, right? You know, it's like we never skip the beat. 
Yes. All right. So let's end with the famous rapid fire questions. All right. So I'm going to ask you some fun questions about you. You can choose to expound on it, or you can just give me one word answers, whatever you prefer. So let's start with the first. What is your favorite ice cream flavor or your favorite sweet treat? Mine is gummy bears. Like um, every night, every night, every night without fail at 8.30, I leave the apartment and walk across the street to the bodega and I buy a pack of gummy bears. Like that's, that's me. True story. What, what brand? So oh. Haribo, the German brand. Um, yeah, like, I, and I'm real bougie. Got, like, like there's, this is a bit, this is a whole podcast in and of itself, okay? Yeah. <laughs> gummy bear brands. We're just talking about the last night. Funny. Yeah, like I'm, I'm very bougie with the gummy bears. Oh. So like, so you can keep that 99 cent stuff. Uh-huh. I don't do that. Uh-huh. I don't do that. So like my gummy bear budget is pretty severe. There's so. actually like, there's an Albanian, Albanian brand of gummy bears. It's like, I, I can't remember the name of it, but they have them in some stores and they're very delicious. Yeah. Okay, so so, when I so to New York, that, that is on my things to do list. To get every night at eight 30, I put, I put the kids to bed. I put the kids to bed. I tell Cass goodbye. I walk across the street gummy bear and, I, and I get gummy oh bears. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Hey Cass. Um, you know, so I'm the kind of person that likes to try something different every time I go to the store, like at a, di- like we can go to the same restaurant every single Friday and I'll have something different on the menu every single Friday. I'm the same one with all things with ice cream, desserts, all that. Like, so I love ice cream, but I definitely don't have like a one flavor I can choose. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty boring. I don't, I'm, I'm not a daring. I'll, I'll hang with you and then you'll like pull me out of my, my. Oh comfort. yeah. Well, you and corn can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After my gummy bears, after my gummy bears, and then <laughs> I'll try something new. I promise. Okay. okay. So what is your favorite, uh, it, whatever. Okay. Your ch- favorite childhood book, um, that you most remember, and it doesn't have to be a childhood book, but just that book that you remember as a child. You know, I've been thinking about this. So I, I've been teaching some undergrad teachers, like, like, how to teach kids to read and so I've been thinking about my early readers I had this book called Jillian Jigs that it was like my first book that I could read on my own and I can literally it was like Jillian 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 Jigs your room looks like it's been lived in by pigs like I can literally recite this book but I used to like carry that book around and read it to whomever would pretend to listen so that's that's my most memorable childhood book yeah and I got two of them like um Roll of Thunder Hear My Cry Mildred Taylor fourth grade that book changed everything for me. Um, it was really the first time that I saw like an accurate depiction of what like black folks been through. You know, and I I'm I'm from round about you, Tawanda. I'm from Atlanta. So like um, so really reading that book in the context of Atlanta in the 1980s as a bougie black child, like was was a lot of layers, right? Because we were like, you know, my parents were like highly educated, like working people, like we're immigrants, right? Um, but we're in this community of like working class white folks, right? And so here's me and my bougie black self around all these working class white folks. So you know, in Atlanta, that don't mix, uh-huh. right? Like, you know, like, you know, and so 
Um, so reading World of Thunder, Hear My Cry was like a major. Um, and then um, I had um, a librarian. To this day, the most influential educator in my life was my high school librarian. Um, again, I wasn't built for classrooms, but she used to get me books. Um, and so she got me a copy of The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin in 10th grade. Oh, wow. Um, and it changed everything for me. Like it, yeah, yeah. And so those two books um, are kind of my childhood pillars. Like, like that everything that I, everything that I have done in life has been dictated by those two books. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those are good books. Okay, yeah. so last question. Yeah. If you weren't an educator, what would you be? Easy. I would be a designer. I would love oh, to see, just. First off, you have the best earrings. Let me just pause and say <laughs> the jewelry. Yeah, I'm like, no, no, Tawanda, you can't. I, I, yeah. It's your, so your fun. Jewelry game is on point. But okay, I digress. No. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, <laughs> I appreciate. I appreciate that. You know, I started. Um, you know, my mom always sold all of her clothes, and she was like a fashion icon for me. And so I started sewing at a pretty young age, like at early middle school. And so then I started, I started college as like a fashion design major. And then I took like a sociology course and one thing led to another. And the next thing you know it, I was like worried about the world in ways that I didn't feel like a career and mark, you know, it's essentially capitalist industry. And I was like, that's not for me. So now it's, it's fun. Cause I, I do like my learning and education thing. And there's so many intersections between creating and designing and you know, it's, it's very low pressure. Like I do a little bit of design work here and there with jewelry and it just feels good. So, yeah. Uh, and um, if I weren't a teacher, you know, and I know this sounds silly, I would be a full-time dad, like straight up. Like there dad. is, <laughs> yeah, like there is nothing better than being a black daddy, like straight up. Like I love it more than, you know, every morning I ride my kids on the bike to school. I drop them off, you know, like, you know, we love them up and I go pick them up on the bike. We ride back home, you know, like there is just nothing better. Like last week, Cass was out of town um, and Cass was all worried. I was like, I'm having a ball. I'm good. And Cass was like, how the kids? I'm like, don't ask me how the kids be good. <laughs> like, 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 you know, but I would, yeah, I would be a full-time black daddy. Wow. That's a whole nother podcast, Tawanda. Like this new life that we are all living without traveling all this here, you yeah. know, like it's you know, amazing. And, and Tawanda, that's real. You know, like I was on the road for two weeks a month um, for the last decade. So oh my since goodness. my children have been alive, I have not been home for 30 days straight ever. Oh my God. Since my children have been alive. Um, and so when the pandemic hit was my first time ever at home for a month. Oh my ever God. in the life of my children and so and so I had a year and a half where I ain't go nowhere not one single airplane now and you know I talk to you all the time in airports right because I was always in and out of flights and so so to be home for a year and a half and to make every meal and to drop off and pick up and to be there for every swim practice and for every soccer practice and for every tennis practice that was some radical shit for me yeah. and so like I loved it and so yeah. And so right now, Cass doing all the traveling. I ain't going nowhere. So I'm very home. minimal traveling. Just putting it out there so people don't feel some kind of way about it. I'm yeah, like, but like, yeah. And so. so, yeah. So without question, I would be a full-time Black Daddy. Yeah, it, it's funny. <laughs> Cass and I, we were talking about just our children and their yeah. concern 
for us as a business person. I said, yeah. my children could care less about my consulting company. They're like, listen, <laughs> did you make breakfast? And, I, yeah. and, and it's funny, like the little small things, my daughter last night, she discovered, yeah. I know this is horrible when I say it out loud, um, the French <laughs> stream beans. Well, yeah. I was like roasting them in the oven because I have a goal of doing a new, this is, this is week one, so I can't take credit just yet, but doing a new vegetable each week, right? Okay. And so I started to marinate these French um, stream beans, right? And so she's like, I want to help. Okay, go ahead and put some balsamic vinegar, some salt and pepper and all of that. And she got a taste of one and she's eating, sitting there just crunching on them. She goes, I don't know if I'm hungry, but let me tell you about these stream beans. This yes. is life right here. This is her. Yes. Stream beans. Like, this is life. And so anyone that knows my daughter, you know how animated yeah. she is. But now she's like, okay, um, I need these for my lunch every single day. And it was, it was funny yeah. because I have the little snack bags and I'm putting them in there and it's it's joyous, you know, just to yeah. have these moments because when they go away to college mm. or when they go and they leave the home, whatever yeah. it is, is their next chapter of their life. You're just sitting there like, can you yeah. just come back so I can fuss? Yeah. I, I fuss and I love. I am. I am yeah. that type of mama. I'm sorry. I'm the same. Yeah. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. So this has been so great. I thank you so much for, you know, you all taking time to just be in conversation and just to talk about just what's yeah. best for students, you know, different, different things that educators can do. I know we do not have a manual on how to do this work. We know that it's messy. We know that it, once we get it right, then we have a new set of students that will come through our door and we have to scrap whatever it is that we got because they're human beings, you know, and we all come in different shapes, different sizes, um, different, you know, behaviors and different things that excite us. And that's okay. And so I just thank you for just the nuggets that you all have dropped uh, today. So before we go, where can folks just find out more about what you all are doing or if there are any upcoming events that you want to share? Sure. Well, you can find us. So we have our website, uh, castandporn.com. So you could see sort of like our joint presence. Um, both Cornelius and I are pretty active on social media, Twitter primarily. Um, so I'm at Miss Cass One. Corn is and I'm Mr. Minor, M-I-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-O-R. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are going to have some uh, exciting projects, um, sort of like yet to be named and formally yeah. announced upcoming, but uh, be on the lookout. Maybe in the, within yeah. the next month, you'll hear some news about some new projects. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. I have a course out um, on the Heinemann platform right now. So if people want to take um, a self-guided asynchronous um, course, um, you know, a lot of, for a lot of teachers, PD looks different right now. So you can sign up for that. Um, you know, Cass and I are all over the world virtually. You know, so so if we are not in a town near you, we're at a conference that you can log on to. Um, we do about one or two big events every month. And so so just kind of look for us, but also reach out. Like, I think the thing that I am proudest of is that Cass and I were raised in a community, right, that that we everything that we know, we know because there were educators who sat us down and supported us. 
you know, through difficulty, you know, through hardship, through joy, through laughter. And so we try to be that. And so when people reach out to us, we really try to, to mirror that kind of behavior. And so when you reach out to us, let us know how you're doing. We hit you back up. We're real people, all that stuff. So, yes, yes. Yeah. And on Instagram, if you're not following either of the two, listen, I get a joy out of just seeing your family pictures and just the different places and the bike rides and all of that. It's just, it's just, it just fills my heart with joy. So um, just, I appreciate what you all are doing as a family unit um, out in the education world and your community and just the model that you are for your children. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so that is all the, my listeners thank you so much for uh, being a part of or listening to this episode and happy teaching